We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. I'm your host, John McKegney, joined as always by Mario Puig. This podcast presented, of course, by our friends over at WinBet. Mario, today I am presenting, recording. If you're watching live, you're treated to this. I am in my uh, constitutional law study, mm-hmm. uh, as you can see, my, my library of many uh, leather-bound books, uh, from which I learn uh, many things I can definitely read. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at today. Who is your favorite lawyer of all time? Um, who's that? Uh, the, like the Southern Dugan lawyer from, uh, from Futurama that's also <laughs> a chicken. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I thought you were going to say the, the, that like Southern, the, the trope of the Southern lawyer. Because uh, oh. That's a valid answer. That's, that is a top five lawyer of all time. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd say Cochran just because I don't know that many lawyers off the top of my head. I was hoping to think of a fictional one, but I couldn't think of any shows or whatever fast enough. You know, Lionel Hutz would have been a good one. Oh, yeah, um, he's the best and, one. He's the best one, definitely. And then uh, the, the guy from uh, Always Sunny with the really small hands, and he, he wore uh, like, the Uncle big, Jack. like, fake hands. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Jack. Jack. And uh, I guess the last one would be uh, the Fonz in Arrested Development as uh, – yeah whatever he was very <laughs> he didn't do very he wasn't very good at, at his job either good lawyer um, though we we love him nonetheless yeah. anyway it is week seven of the nfl season and this was a week that i think a lot of us circled um back when we were doing our best ball drafts and in our redrafts and all that stuff is like oh boy we're, we're gonna be running into a tough one that week it's gonna be uh, a bit of a squeeze we're gonna, definitely gonna have to be working the waiver wire um come week seven Maybe maybe fit some guys in that, that we normally uh, wouldn't, but I think that that problem has kind of been exacerbated by all the injuries that we've seen uh, from around the league. Like it it is brutal this week. Like the the Chubb injury, you know, you got McCaffrey, Barkley, and then obviously like you have guys like like Zeke on a bye, and it's just it's going to be really really tough. We're going to see some low scores this week, I think, across a lot of best ball formats and a lot of you know a lot of people just sweating things out on Sunday, hoping to get to like 80, 85 points in their home leagues. Yeah. Uh, they should lengthen the season and like not add any bye weeks because these, these injuries are so manageable. Uh, they, they should make the season longer if they could. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what's, 
you're just gonna have to start some weird weird scenarios like I, I was trying to bid up for Dearness Johnson which if you had told me that two months ago that like hey man you're gonna you're gonna blow like 40 percent of your fab in week seven on Dearness Johnson I would have smugly bet my life on you know no I won't that's that's impossible but here we are and um you know we're grateful to have Dearness is is where we're at we sure are and then uh in in the uh super flex uh leg of the pentathlon that we're in I got angry yesterday morning after free agents ran and Case Keenum was, was had been picked up because I I need oh, a warm body at quarterback. That sucks. He's uh he's gonna I don't know I, I don't want to say he'll definitely have a bad game, but maybe you didn't miss out on that much. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, likely not. Uh, Eight and, and a half. I, something I like scooped. That. Um, Oh, I scooped Deshaun Watson, so hopefully I'll be able to flip him for for something amid the the latest rumors, which are the same rumors that they've been uh, for months. So we'll yeah. we'll see what we'll see what ends up happening there. But speaking of Case Keenum, him and those Cleveland Browns play this evening against mm. the Denver Broncos, who are also a bit banged up, but the Browns still one point favorites at home in spite of all of those injuries, not just to Baker Mayfield, but also to the backfield with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, got some injuries along that offensive line. We saw the famous quote from Von Miller earlier this week. So uh, this one, this one could get funky. There's something about the Broncos on Thursday night. We obviously had that famous one Broncos jets from last year with the, the Brett Rippon experience, the Jeff Smith experience from a year ago. So I'm expecting similar levels of funk hey, in this game. Like a- talking about a boily uh sorry a boise and uh what was it boston college uh bowl game like the <laughs> the beefo brady's bowl or something um <laughs> anyway we, we'll hopefully get something better than that here maybe not though like you said the browns are really beat up and like beckham is he out they, they listen to him as questionable with no practice Sounds he's got good. a grade three ac sprain which i think is is really really tough to play on as far as i know yeah that sounds great um Let's see Jack Conklin not 100%. So so many things that could go wrong in different different phases of uh different levels of, of both the offense and the defense. So with with that degree of uncertainty, I don't know how much, you know, the past production, the past uh records of these teams really matter. I mean, I guess what do you what are you thinking on this, John? Like do you just go Teddy over Keenum because I don't even know if I I don't know what's going on with that Denver defense either. It's like they got those three corners that are so good. They got Chubb. They got Miller. Not looking that great. So, um, I don't know. Maybe the short week bails them out. Maybe all those Cleveland injuries bail them out. Um, I just I think that, like, the de- the defense on Cleveland, despite all the injuries on offense, the defense, I think, is still relatively intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think it's a great Broncos offense. So, no. uh I think I still do like the Broncos to get this just because I, I do feel like their offense, you know, it had arguably as much or more to start with as the Browns, but it also had like a lot more depth specifically. So they've been thinned out, but they still have Fant, Patrick Sutton, uh, whereas the Browns are down to like Donovan Peoples Jones and I guess Njoku as their, their biggest guys on offense. So uh, if Case Keenum does win this, it'll, you know, he'll deserve some amount of credit. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interesting, interested to see uh, later this afternoon over on the RotoWire uh, sports betting account. Uh, we'll get the the numbers on the handle from the WinBet Sportsbook as far as where the money's going on this particular game. Uh, should, you know, so as far as the, the the sheer amount of bets and then also the money. But as it get as it stands, once again, um, we have 
The Browns minus one in this one and the over under anywhere between 40 and 41, depending um, where you're looking. So I think we're going to see a good amount of money on the Broncos and the under is going to be uh, my my guess as far as the betting market is concerned. But um, I guess last question on this one, as far as like the, those guys that you normally wouldn't be starting, but, but may have to this week and the Thursday game really kind of like holds, holds your feet to it a little bit. Would you start a guy like DPJ? Obviously it sounds like you're relatively confident, relatively being the, the operative word there uh, and starting a, a Dearness Johnson tonight. Can you start a Demetric Felton as well? I mean, what are your thoughts there? So I didn't mean to sound especially confident about starting Dearness Johnson. It's more like you might not really have much choice in some cases, but I don't know. He's he's kind of interesting. He can catch some passes if they fall behind. I don't know if Felton's going to play more. Uh, the the more they trail, the longer they trail. I don't know if Felton just plugs in as the hurry-up guy because Dearness Johnson can do some of that. He was actually a pass-catching specialist at South Florida, so um, he could do that. I guess it's going to be Rashard Higgins in addition to Peoples-Jones at receiver. Like Schwartz kind of seems like he's just settled into a decoy role, so... Um, I don't know. Higgins is a pretty good player, but most of his production has come with um, Baker Mayfield on the field. Like they kind of work really well together. Maybe case works well with him too, but uh, people's Jones, like all the Browns receivers projects pretty poorly in this game. But at least when you're talking about athleticism and size, like his, there's more probability of just the big plays like he showed last week. So uh, he can, he can turn a slipped tackle into a touchdown, whereas Higgins can't. Uh, Schwartz could, of course, but he's, you know, playing 25 snaps or whatever and getting a couple, uh, gimmicky targets, not much to work with there. So, uh, I guess you could see a lot of the tight ends too, to, and some, uh, some sort of attempt to sort of like help case Keenum and, uh, give more blocking. Cause the three starting linemen, I think that's the left tackle, the right tackle and the center for the Browns are all pretty beat up right now. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a tough wrinkle there for, for the Browns, you know, in addition to just having the skill talent be swept out from underneath you, you also have the, the trouble along the offensive line. Like you mentioned, Broncos defense not playing quite up to the standard we expected. Um, but at the same time, if, it, if, if you have a Von Miller and, and a Bradley Chubb going against backups, you still lean that way. Um, let's get on over to Sunday. Uh, no London game this week, so... We will kick things off with the one o'clock Eastern window. We got Panthers, Giants, Panthers, three point favorites on the road in this one, a low over under in this one as well, 42 and a half. I mean, the Giants are another team that, that are kind of of the, the walking wounded label at, at this point. I mean, Barkley, I, I don't know if his ankle looks any less like a softball than, than it did um, a couple Sundays ago in Dallas. Uh, we obviously saw Kadarius Tony mid breakout essentially um, hurt his ankle. So that that's just another one on top of all the injuries that, that the Giants receiving core has had. So how do you view this one shaking out? It's tough because in addition to the injuries, like it, it would have been a weird matchup anyway, even if these two teams were fully healthy, it would be kind of hard to uh, anticipate where it would all head because there's, there's some good players. There's some big plays that can make, but also two teams that are capable of turning every game, any given game into a total circus and uh, both defenses have a little bit of talent to work with. So I, I don't know. This this could get ugly. With Daniel Jones, you do have that shot for, of him like inexplicably like against the Saints, turning it into a shootout, even though he's got a bad matchup against a good defense. That can happen with him. But 
they'll have to manage the Carolina pass rush, which as long as Burns and Reddick are out there, that's looking pretty tough. But if they do, I don't, I don't know what like matchup wise looks so bad for the Giants here. D- Donald is not playing well at all. Like the Carolina offense has been basically not viable, uh, especially the last few weeks, obviously. But even when they were scoring points and winning games in the first three weeks, it wasn't. It, it was more sputtering than it was functional. Uh, DJ Moore aside, like DJ Moore was doing everything and everything else was sputtering. But the defense and Sam Darnold's fluky rush touchdowns kind of covered that up. There's no cover anymore. I don't know why you would give the Panthers any particular benefit of the doubt, even with the Giants being all messed up, um, unless unless there's basically quit watch in effect on the Giants and, and Joe Judge, who uh, I don't know. If, I don't know what the exact contents are of like the, the the locker room there, like what they feel like, what how they evaluate him, how much patience they have. But from afar, you'd have to imagine kind of like not much faith, not much patience not much credibility, et cetera. So maybe they just kind of run out of gas because they can't keep playing for this guy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible he hasn't really done a particularly good job through this first year and a quarter. And then, you know, going back to the Panthers, I had them survivor week one against the Jets. And, like, that game had me sweating a little bit longer than than I needed. And they didn't even look very good against the Texans either, I I didn't think. They've looked good at no point. Just the defense. Defense has a couple points. So, yeah, I, I I don't have any reason to back the Panthers here. I, I know the Giants and Daniel Jones, like he famously has worse splits at home, but I still can't trust the, the Panthers with points on the road right now, especially Sands McCaffrey. So yeah, I, Darnold I'm just gonna... isn't doing anything like however bad the opposing quarterback might be. Darnold can be as bad. That's how that's how hopeless they've looked. And this game is at MetLife. He might just get flashbacks during this game. Just, just uh, flashbacks of mono. Just like all of a sudden, it's like chubby cheeked on the sideline, seeing ghosts and all that, like from that Monday night game against the Patriots a few years back. Um, all right, that, that'll that'll do it for for this game. I, I don't know if there's there's too much more to unpack there. Yeah. yeah, not not a ton, of, not a ton of juicy matchups this week. And speaking of, we got Jets Patriots. We got Zach Wilson versus Mac. Zach and Mac. Uh, we got the Patriots, mm-hmm. six and a half or seven point favorites, depending on where you're looking. Uh, the over under looking like 42 and a half. The Patriots just strike me as a good bad team, and the Jets strike me as a bad bad team. <laughs> what say uh, you? That, that sounds pretty fair, um, especially the second part. Very difficult to disagree with. Um, but I, I do agree with, yeah, good, bad team for the Patriots. They're clearly not a good team overall. And, uh, you know, even the defense, like, I, I don't know why it isn't better than it is, especially in coverage. You would think you would have thought they'd get better returns with with some of the talent they have there. Even in the front seven, it's like I, I, I thought they'd have more pass rush. Just Juden is pretty much all that's going right now. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But they don't seem to have any actual strength or identity really beyond being a check down passing offense. And that's going to be enough to win here. I think like Zach Wilson on the other side, I almost no matter what defense he plays at the moment, I guess Titans is the only team that we can feel any sort of um, assurance with Zach Wilson. Cause he's, uh, he's, he's been a mess. And if it wasn't for, you know, if, if, if there weren't as many messes in the league right now, as there are, there might've been more attention paid to kind of like, wow, this Wilson thing doesn't appear to be working. 
not that he's not that it's all his fault and maybe not much of it is, but the problems persist in this matchup going to Foxborough is not going to make any of that better. So uh, it's going to be a wreck on the, the Jets offense side to the point that however good or bad the Patriots offense is probably won't matter a whole lot. So uh, I don't know about seven points. Uh, I guess I'll take it just because I can't really see the Jets scoring. Um, but I'm not expecting the, the Patriots to look like, like they're great or anything. Yeah, I, th- I think Belichick, rookie quarterback, um, you know, I, I think that this ends up going poorly and it's in Foxborough, of course. So I think all of those factors combined to, to where uh, I am on the Patriots in this particular matchup. But um, hopefully uh, Red Zone won't be beaming that one into our eyes too much on Sunday. Let's go Chiefs-Titans. We got the Chiefs four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road here. We got the highest over-under of the week, uh, creeping up to 58 points in this one. You know, the the Titans, I never know what to make of them because they can do things like they did on Monday night, but they can also do things like you mentioned against the Jets where, where you know, they, they lose to a clearly or what should be on paper a way inferior opponent, but then they bow up and beat what I still think is probably the best team in the AFC. So... Really, really tough to make of the, know what to make of them. And then, of course, you, you don't really know what to take away from the Chiefs after a week ago because, you know, they were able to go into Washington and, and get the job done there. But Washington, I think, it is a way bigger mess than either of us anticipated uh, whatsoever. So um, how much can you really glean from that? Um, I think they, they have some injury issues in their own right. So what are your thoughts on, on this particular matchup? So the Titans... I don't know how we'll, if we're using that same system as the last game, I don't know where they fit on that spectrum. I think they're kind of an average team, like really good offense, bad defense. Uh, the The ways in which the, the offense is as good as it is are very dependent on Derrick Henry. And I know they have AJ Brown and Julio Jones, but Ryan Tannehill has made clear this year, not, not that he didn't make it clear before, but we always have to relearn some things yeah. apparently uh he's not very good he's maybe an average quarterback maybe and whatever that might be fine enough for them to get to the super bowl or whatever at some point but he's not actually good and when he needs to be good you're not necessarily going to get good results and even even when they're like moving the ball to catch up to the bills in the last game like any quarterback can hit a wide open crossing route to aj brown if they've got five seconds to wait in the pocket to throw it and when he doesn't have those conditions, he just falls apart. So he had conditions that were more favorable than some other games last week. Still had a lot of unnecessary pressure. He's he's just getting sacked like every five dropbacks this year. And it's not all the offensive line's fault. Um, but what bridged the gap last week was Derrick Henry being not a human. And that's usually like when, when they have an upset, it's usually because Derrick Henry went nuts. And I think it was a combination of the Bills being a little overrated. Like their win against the Chiefs was a it was basically like a non-applicable game result. Like it was rainy. The the rain benefited the Bills. The the Chiefs couldn't play in it. Uh game was sloppy. It just didn't necessarily mean that much. So I think people are a little too high on the Bills, a little bit um, you know, forgot about what the Titans can do on offense. And, you know, we're seeing it level out here, but uh, I don't think I mean, I know the Titans could be a threat. Like if Derrick Henry has a certain sort of game, if AJ Brown is a certain sort of game, it's going to be tough for any kind of team to keep up with them. But I don't see anything in the Tennessee defense that can slow Kansas City. Like I don't know, um, short of Mahomes just kind of having a bad day for no reason, I don't know what the Titans can do about the, the Chiefs offense. 
Yeah, so I think all of those factors that you mentioned there inform why why the total is so high for this week. Um, I guess one thing to uh, bear in mind, you know, maybe the Chiefs will, will be able to get Chris Jones back. Um, they were making a huge deal of that in that Bills game. That is a big um, deal. Yeah. It is, yeah, 100%. So he's questionable. And then, of course, uh, you know, we had the scary moment in uh, in Monday night's game. Uh, obviously, they, they wouldn't necessarily be lining up against each other, but um, – Taylor Lewan, uh having having to get stretched off, he's questionable um, as well. So I mean, you know, we could see both of these uh, both sides of the trenches, especially when, when the Titans have the ball not be at full strength. Yeah, if Jones is in there and Luan is out, that could you know make the the bad case Tannehill scenario a little more likely. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, and then I guess, I guess just looking at some of the the secondary Chiefs players. Not in the secondary, but you know your Mikael Hardman's and uh, you know the the backfield. Um, do you feel confident in starting any of those guys this week? Just given that this this high total in this matchup, is this something that you're uh, pursuing for either your lineups or for DFS? Well, Daryl Williams is a fullback basically, but even if it's just a fullback getting carries, if it's John Kuhn who's starting at running back for the Chiefs, that's still useful in fantasy. Uh, as long as there's no one, you know, taking carries away and McKinnon can't really do that. So if we do expect the chiefs to kind of take care of business here, then Daryl Williams could definitely be the beneficiary of that. And specifically like the, you know, the red zone don't expect much in the way of yardage from scrimmage, but touchdowns are in play for sure. And uh, I don't know, I can't answer the, the Hardman question anymore. Cause like, I think he's doing pretty well. I mean, the last fumble was annoying last week, but He's been good as a pass catcher this year, even though they haven't really got him other than last week. They haven't really got him going deep at all. So I'm interested to see what will happen if they just keep him out there and keep giving him chances because he he's not showing up when they want him to exactly. But when you keep the standards less strict with him, like by any reasonable standard, he's doing pretty well. It's just he's not being the star that they want. And uh, I don't know if there is room after Tyreek and, and Kelsey for that, I think. Like if Watkins can barely do anything, then maybe you just can't really do anything as the third receiver there. Yeah, I think that, that that's kind of what we're starting to see here because, you know, in, in years past, he's much more downfield. I mean, the, his A dot is 7.3, which is perilously right. low for, for a wide receiver, especially a wide receiver of, you know, his skill set. So, yeah, it does kind of feel like that they just need to have somebody, a warm body in that role, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, if they start giving him those long throws like in the past, I think we have reason to believe they'll start hitting and all of a sudden his box score could look really good and get people talking about him more. But they're just other than that one throw last week, everything's been like five yards within the line of scrimmage. Yeah, very, very strange usage when it when it comes to Hardman. Uh, But it is somehow kind of, you know, made made him a little bit more PPR viable with with 26 catches um, through six. Hey, PPR Hardman, standard scoring Hardman, 80 yard bombs only. That's what we want, baby. Let's move on over next game. But before then, uh, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next up, we got the Packers playing host to the Washington football team. This one will be a popular survivor pick this week in favor of the Packers. Of course, this one being played at Lambeau. The Packers seem to be playing extremely well right now. I mean, they they struggled against the Bengals, um, but maybe the Bengals aren't nearly as bad as we thought. And then uh, obviously last week, just kind of taking it to the Bears as they uh, tend to do. Uh, whereas the football team, like I was just mentioning with the last game breakdown, they are just in a complete mess Shame right us. now. Nothing's going well. And, that you know, the, the backfield situation where you have Gibson, you know, trying to play through what, what seems like just a, a pretty tough injury to play through. Um, it, it's really hard to find a lot of optimism with this Washington team. team. Yep. What, what can you say? They, they're awful. <laughs> they suck. Um, uh, not so much at the like the lower part of the organization, like. It's not really Ron Rivera's fault. He can't not to give him credit or anything, but he not much he can do about the kind of rot that this team has going on. Um, maybe he could control the the medical staff a little more and get the kind of staff that says like, Hey, uh, 230 pound back with the split shin. You're not playing this week. Uh, that kind of thing. But uh, in the absence of that, we've got uh, everybody who's any good on this team hurt and uh, they weren't that great to start with. So, um. yeah even if Rodgers has maybe the worst game of his whole career I don't know if they can lose this one so uh, with Washington having an underachieving defense that doesn't really do anything an offense that uh, didn't do much and might do less than that uh, due to injuries that Aaron Jones show Rodgers show somebody should, should be pretty easy yeah I think so too um, are you going at is this a week where you're uh, going heavy at Devonte Adams for um, for DFS, or is it more the Jones show? Not as heavy as uh, the one a couple weeks ago. Uh, I can't remember which matchup that was. Bengals, but, uh, like Bengals yeah, not not as much as the Bengals, but I mean Adams. There's always a case for him to be the top receiver in the rankings every week. Uh, this 
doesn't seem like an exception. However, the Packers probably don't need to use him to clean up here, so maybe they won't. Maybe they'll try to get 2020 Tunyon go in or something like that. That would be nice. Uh, you know, RIP to my, to my Tunyon, Tunyon shares. Uh, that has not uh, gone particularly well this season. Um, let's get on over. We got Falcons, Dolphins. This, I, I think on paper, it's it's not a good matchup. We, we see the Falcons two and a half point road favorites, but I think it's one of the more interesting games to talk about this week from a, from like a betting standpoint, because you have the, the rare occurrence where the Dolphins are going into this game, coming off London, but not having a bye, whereas the Falcons were in London two weeks ago and are coming off the bye. So they're, they're fresh. And I think that that completely informs why they would be favored on the road. I think if if, if both teams were, were rested or had the same rest, um, specifically not the London factor mixed in, I think that this one's closer to a pick'em. Um, so I'm just very interested to see how how this one goes. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's an interesting detail about you know the longer rest rest for the the Falcons. It looks like a lot of the most relevant Dolphins injuries are improving though it's like it looks like Xavier Howard might be back uh there's not many guys who've been missing practice this week right actually I don't get I guess nobody a lot of limited practice but not uh DNPs on the Dolphins side so if they get a little healthier than they've been in a few weeks maybe that has some kind of effect I don't I don't really know how to call a game like this at all though because I I would say that the Falcons are probably better managed from the coaching part uh the Dolphins don't appear to have a lot go like Flores I can imagine him being a good coach in another scenario, but I think he basically has no control of this circus. I don't know if there's much he can do about it at this point. Um, So maybe that bridges any potential talent advantage that the dolphins have and that plus the rest, maybe it's, maybe it's good process for that reason to go with the Falcons, but I don't know, man, I, I do worry about this, this, I guess until further notice this, this Falcons offensive line, I worry about, and uh, not that the dolphins defense is frightening. It's just, I don't know if they're bad enough before uh, to the point that we can start feeling safe with Ryan. Like I worry about that passing game falling apart like it did in the first couple weeks. And if it does, it'll be pretty tough to win because even if Tua isn't very good, even if the Dolphins offense basically sucks, they should be able to move the ball at least a little bit against the Falcons. And, you know, there's there's a couple of good players, if, especially I don't know if Parker's out for a while, but if somebody Preston Williams can step in again and get just somebody out there who's any good. This Falcons defense seems pretty bad still. Preston Williams is like the the Tim Patrick of the AFC East. Except uh, constantly getting hurt, apparently. And yeah, uh, yeah maybe if, if he can if he can play, if Parker can play, I, f- I feel like the Dolphins between that and Waddle and even Gesicki, the doofus that he is, they should be able to win, uh, even if their defense kind of doesn't show up. I love how you're the, the Gesicki's number one uh, foil. I mean, it, it's I guess the the number one foil is Durham Smith, Smith, whatever. It, yeah. Either way, either way. I'm num- um, I'm then, the second one. Yeah. True. True. You got the the number two Dolphins jersey, and then um, when it comes to Waddle, what do you do with him? Because you know we we see him score two touchdowns a week ago, but like the the yardage is strange like he, he's getting a lot of volume but we're seeing his a dot again you know like we were saying about Nicole hardman um I, I think that waddle might be a little bit more complete and it makes a little more oh, yeah. sense to get him like the screen game action but just it's stupid completely not letting him go down the field seems r- ridiculous to me a 5.5 a dot 
Yeah, the, the Dolphins offense is repulsive, and I, I guess I should have, in hindsight, thought uh, to co-offensive coordinators, co-play callers, you know, I should have seen like a red flag with that because this does look like an offense that has no idea what it even means to do. Like they go in every week kind of just thinking, what if we try this? Like, what? If, hey, what if we give Malcolm Brown eight carries this week? Eh, that didn't work. Let's give him zero next week. Uh, give... 10 targets to Gaskin, bench him after that, bring him back in after that. Uh, like all these things that they do just don't really show any sort of um, pursuit of identity. Like they don't really have things that they do in certain situations other than throwing it five yards at most to Jalen Waddle at all times. Like that's the, that's the system basically just screen passes to Waddle. Like you said, it's ridiculous. He can kill downfield. It's not that he would be pretty good downfield. Like he can be a uniquely dangerous downfield receiver and they're not using him that way. So I think it's pretty clearly like out of his control and he's doing a really good job with a silly situation here, but it is silly. And 37 catches for 301 yards and three touchdowns should be kind of a crap box score, but he's actually being somewhat efficient. Like he's, he's basically working the way a really good uh, screen pass target would like catching 80% of your targets at a, you know, 5.7 yards a target or something. Um, Eventually they'll have to throw it downfield. Like they've they've somehow gone like this entire time, just not doing it. Eventually it has to happen, but generally he's going to be dependent on these, I guess like double digit catch games uh, to get anywhere. Cause it's going to take that many catches to move the ball past 40 yards. Right. Yeah. The, the volume is booing him for now. And you know, if, if somehow that they unlock the, the actual speed and big play ability that he has, then those who stomached uh, having him on the, on your team for the early, he has been fine. Season, Mm-hmm. He has been fine in fantasy. It's repulsive to watch in real life, and the box score is ugly, but it's like 29 PPR points last week. Yeah, no, that 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 was good. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that. And then um, uh, on the other side, Ridley presumably coming back, and then, you, you know, how much stock are you putting in uh, Pitts' performance against the Jets as, as it pertains to this week? Well, Pitts is definitely that good, and Ridley is definitely as good as we had – reason to assume coming into this year. The question is whether the Falcons can be functional enough as a broader offense to leave room for both of them at the same time. And that's a pretty low bar to reach actually, like, especially since Pitts has tight end Sanders rather than receiver ones, it should be easy to have enough room for both of them to be for both of them to be big fantasy producers. And to this point it's more so been that only one of the two, if either uh, have been able to get it going. So uh, I, I do think, in a way, Ridley's absence last week got Pitts going, but I also think it's one of those things that they should, it should have kind of revealed something to them that they can keep in place even after Ridley's return and pursue that offense. That's more like, yeah, Ridley takes like 38% of your targets or something. And Pitts is clearly your second functioning pass catcher. And the volume isn't so high on the offense and it's not so explosive, but those two are really good. And then you kind of, leverage the run game off the rest and, you know, use two tight ends and stuff to try to make it all work. But uh, yeah, to this point, I guess when, when they were both on the field, the offensive line would fall apart or Ryan would just kind of play poorly and it hadn't gotten going. It's clear. I think that Pitts and Ridley are more than ready, willing, able to do their part. And it, it just waits to be seen whether the offensive line and I guess Ryan can get the ball to both of them. Yeah, so that that that's like the the other key detail of this game is, is seeing how how those two can coexist now that now that we've seen uh, Pitts kind of like 
get his feet wet and have his first really big statement game, the, the kind of game that, that we really insane. Yeah. yeah, it's it's wild. I remember watching that game a couple Sunday Sunday mornings ago, and that was more effective than coffee. Before we get into our next game, got a message from our sponsors. Uh, let's start things out with our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo DFS. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo daily fantasy football becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit to offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features 1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 and to get you started. All right, Mario, on to the next one here. We got Bengals Ravens. One of the more interesting results of last weekend was Baltimore's kind of resounding victory over the Chargers. Um, you know, that, that game wasn't really that close at, at really any point. And then the Bengals seem to be, you know, playing well. They, they obviously took care of business against the lions. Uh, this one, we have the Ravens sitting at minus six and a half at home against their divisional opponents. Uh, what's your read on this game? I don't know. I mean, I really don't understand what, what happened with that chargers game, or at least if, if that happens, I don't understand why the Ravens defense was so bad against the Colts before that. Uh, seems like two very different teams and whichever one or whatever split the difference of the two, I guess, whatever scenario we get going forward, of course, will hold sway over how they do in a, any given game, any game game like this, of course, against divisional opponent. And uh, I don't, I don't know which way it's headed. Like I, I assumed the Ravens defense would be good coming into this year, but I, I up until last week completely lost faith in that idea. I, I don't know whether it was a one week inexplicable thing. Like, Chargers. I kind of do. 
Yeah, like I, I feel that way too. It's just I don't know. They they looked so brutal before that. They um, they did. I mean, they they've gotten the ball moved on them by the Lions, by by the Broncos a little bit. The Raiders. I mean, the, the Raiders can move the ball on people, but I I think that the Ravens and and where part of their defensive struggles this season have come from has been the Marcus Peters injury. And I don't think that the chargers had the personnel last week to make them pay for it. And I I think that the Bengals absolutely do. That's a, that's probably the right read on it. I do wonder though, if the Bengals are functional enough in their own right to really capitalize on it, like they have the personnel and, if it were a year from now, I would be much more concerned for the Ravens in this scenario because I assume Burrow's knee will be in better shape in a year, uh, not to mention just Higgins and Chase might be better yet by that point. Um, but this offense that I've had to this point strikes me as kind of um, not not, uh, not like weak or anything, but it, it, a little fragile. Like It reminds me a little tiny, tiny bit of the Panthers offense after the first three weeks when seemed like things were going fine you know they're winning games they're they're making big plays they're throwing for touchdowns things like that but I don't know if the ways that those big plays were occurring were were sustainable over the course of the year and I I think something similar here it's like not to take credit away from Jamar Chase like I definitely think he's as good as he appears to be but a couple of his big plays have been kind of fluky and not not in a way that um again not to take credit away but just in a way that affects his peripheral stats in ways that are likely to regress no matter what, no matter how well he plays, you know, things like yards after the catch per catch. And like that one touchdown he had, it was like a change up looking throw that the the defender just kind of like misjudged where the ball went and chase caught it, ran for a touchdown and he can make that play, but he can't make it every time. And if, when it does regress, T Higgins can't step up, they might just kind of go cold for a while. And I don't know if, Maybe there's something deliberate about the way they're using T Higgins, but they're not using him the right way. If, if, if there isn't some broader setup here or longer setup here uh, where they're going to, you know, go over the top with Higgins this week, like they were saving him for the Ravens, that kind of thing. Maybe then they'll have enough firepower to really take down the Ravens, but they're not getting T Higgins going downfield at all. And if he's just doing six yard curls to, you know, not a whole lot of effect, Chase will eventually have just kind of like a cold stretch for a couple quarters. And if, if that happens and if Mixon doesn't pick it up, they could go to an, into a shell pretty quick. Right. I think, yeah, you, you yeah, the way that you laid out the, the fragility there um, when it comes to this Bengals offense, um, you know, this will be a big test for, I think, for how we view them uh, the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, but I'm inclined to think that they'll be able to score points on, on Baltimore. And I know that um, Cincinnati's defense has been much better this year than, yeah. than in years past, but I think the Ravens will still be able to move the ball on them a lot. And I think with that, the way that I would like to bet this one is, is the over 47. I see this one being like a 27, 24 game in favor of the Ravens. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm more confident in the Bengals defense at this point than the offense, which sounds insane for so many <laughs> reasons. Sound wild. <laughs> to say, but I don't even, I'm not even, it sounds maybe backhanded too, but I don't mean it. Like the defense is playing well and uh, they, they've got some good players at all levels at this point. So I, I think the defense is carrying them more than people think basically. And the degree to which they can take control against the Ravens offense, I think is pretty much a good uh, like corollary for how, how good their chances of winning are. Cause I, like the offense could step up, I guess, but if the defense doesn't, I don't think 
their offense can keep up with the Ravens one. Okay. So, well, that defense will we'll need to do they're, – they're going to need to play a, a great game, though, because I think that the, the Ravens' offense – I mean, the, the scoreboard says they played a good game last week. I, I didn't oh, think it was they, brutal. They, I didn't think it was great, but I think on the whole, it's not quite what 2019 looked like from Lamar. It's different, but I think as far as how well overall he is playing right now, it, it's about as good as I've seen him. Yeah, I I still I know that the Colts game kind of boosted his box score to this point in the year, but especially when Bateman is hitting full speed, as Sammy gets back, hits full speed again, they can just kind of shoot out as much as anyone wants to. Yeah, see exactly, and that, that's that's a, an element that they certainly didn't have in the, in the Seth Roberts Willie Sneed days. <laughs> Safe to say, indeed. All right, so let's get on over. We got Lions, Rams. Uh, Stafford, Goff, the reunion, the rematch. Not really rematch. Who but, is know. better? We find, Who won the we break find out. Yeah. Uh, well, Vegas says that the Rams are two touch or more than two touchdown, two touchdowns better uh, than the Lions. And you know what? I tend to agree with them. That's a big number, but at the same time, uh, man, I I think the Lions have gone from. I think there's only so many of those moral victories you can have before they stop mattering. And then yes. you just, yeah. you kind of are just an awful team. And I think we've, we've reached that point with the lions. Yeah, you're right. Um, th- they've had some injuries kind of help bring about that scenario, but there's no help on the way is the thing with them. It's like they were a team that can maybe surprise opponents with how scrappy they are. And, for the first few weeks, they were they were kind of playing at 110% motor. They were kind of making that happen. But uh, at least with these injuries happening and, and the golf reality becoming painfully clear, uh, it's, it's hard to see what could give for the better. And short of DeAndre Swift just kind of going nuts, Hawkinson going nuts and, and kind of dragging the offense with them, and uh, nothing else besides that. Like, I, I don't, I'm not saying like then they can, you know, get into this kind of scoring position and win, maybe win a game. Not really. I don't know who they can really win against like this. Like Goff can't play. Uh, Swift and Hawkinson can only do so much. The offensive line can't do anything. The defense doesn't exist. Uh, I I don't think like, like the only, the only threat to the Rams, like not covering here is sort of a, running out the clock too fast, you know, like that's, that's a, uh, I don't know what the, the lines can even begin to do in this game. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, I guess that this game is, is more tricky for, for DFS purposes because obviously Sony Michelle. Rams and, and you love, you know, anyone going up against the lions, but is this, is this a situation where like you, like you kind of alluded to where they just build that big lead and then just kind of let the clock run out. I think you got to start all the Rams you usually start, but I sure. think you add to the the startable list Sony Michelle, especially, um, just because if this if the Rams cover Sony Michelle, probably got like twelve carries at least. Yeah, and I would I would hundred percent take that um, against uh, this Lions defense. Let's get on over. We got Eagles Raiders, two very very funky teams at, at this stage. The Raiders obviously coming off the emotional. Uh, or not really emotional, but, but you know, a, a rallying uh, win over, over Denver. And then, of course, the Eagles, they, they're they one of those teams where you watch what's happening on the field and you're like, this 
these these are these guys are terrible. And then they they somehow I mean they covered against the Bucks. Uh, Jalen Hurts is you know he he specifically is that guy where you watch him and you're like this how and then all of a sudden he's like a top ten fantasy quarterback even still because you know garbage time uh, is very good to him it seems like so. How do you see this one shaking out? This this one, might, I might have the hardest time getting a read on this game. Maybe I'm overlooking the Eagles, but I feel like the Raiders are like warrant heavy favoritism here because maybe is Lane Johnson back in now? That that could help. I think he re- he returned to the team. Okay, um, well he's he's a great player when he's on the field. Having him at right tackle would help a lot with this pass rush that's waiting for them. But Max Crosby's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, to the point that we don't even really notice Ngakwe that much, but Ngakwe's hurrying the quarterback too. So Jalen Hurts has shown the ability to completely collapse in both of his last two games. I think the cracks were showing all along before that, and I expect this trend to just keep getting worse. Like I know Hurts keeps pulling a rabbit out of the hat, especially in a fantasy sense, but eventually that's just going to stop happening, I think, and maybe not this week. Uh, and maybe it doesn't ever stop. Maybe I'm just wrong about that, but I think it will. And I think going against this edge rush uh, combined with Hertz's just tendency to, to the, the ability to just kind of collapse as a passer, I think it could get pretty ugly. And if the, if Sanders, if they can't get miles Sanders going, if they can't get whatever Gainwell, if they can't get Hertz as a runner going, I think asking him to pass against a defense like this is just asking for a disaster. And, um, but then again, I've thought that about multiple games this year. Yeah, and they, they've shown, you know, I'm, I'm sure if we if we clipped the the first like six episodes of of this season's podcast, you know, when we talk about the Eagles, it's if if they get Miles Sanders going, they never they don't seem interested in doing that. Right, and I think a lot of it it's becoming clear they can't do it when they to get the passing looks that they want to arrange for Hertz. They have to sacrifice the personnel that's necessary, the alignments that are necessary, the the the, the gap spacing that's necessary to run the ball. And instead they're kind of going out there, just they're almost doing like the Texas tech offensive line kind of thing where it's just like, you know, we're, 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 we're assembling some very goofy formations because we, we just are not interested in running. No, no. So it, it's uh it's pretty gnarly on, on the Eagle side of things from, from the Raiders uh, side of things, obviously Derek Carr coming off of a, a very strong game a week ago. Um, how do you view the, the non-Waller options in, in this offense from fantasy, you know, be it uh, Edwards, who's who's got like promising peripherals, but but the production hasn't been there. Uh, you know, Renfro's done well uh, to this point. Ruggs showed some signs earlier. Um, not sure if he, if he is at the moment. So what are your thoughts there? I think the Raiders offense has been surprising, surprisingly convincing. And um, I've never been a car fan. I probably underestimated Hunter Renfro coming into this year. Like before he, what contained him was that he just like didn't play that many snaps and he only played in three wide sets. But when he plays, he definitely draws targets at a, a pretty high per snap rate. And I guess they're kind of indulging the premise. Like what if we just kind of keep him out there and instead of putting him on the bench and going too tight end, uh, as long as the, the more that Renfro plays the worse for Edwards and the worse for Waller. Um, but I do think Edwards has his own place in the offense. It's just not a high usage one. And he draws the routes that are maybe the hardest to get the ball to. Cause you got, if, if, if Edwards is on the field at the same time as Renfro and Waller, he's just a heavy underdog for the target on that play. And he's doing really well with the targets that he does get. And I could imagine a different scenario where he had 
the less difficult routes and there, you know, there wasn't a wall around the field. And I do think Edwards would, would do a lot more then, but for now, one of those other guys has to just basically miss time for much to give. And Ruggs, I think has his role, regardless of the other ones, Ruggs is going to have his role of kind of some of the slot looks, some of the slot looks that Renfro doesn't get uh, with, with obviously the deep functions, but he's been really good in those, in that role. Maybe there's more that he can do underneath. And if there is, then he's definitely looking golden because he'll probably get some regression in the deep routes. Like he's, he's basically hitting, you know, like the majority of his deep throws are, are landing and he's, he's doing a great job and he gets credit for that. But eventually the wind's going to just take the ball a little bit the wrong way, or some, some guy's going to trip, uh, tangle your feet with his and, and you fall over and it's an incomplete pass. That kind of stuff's going to happen eventually. So if he could get some short routes to, to offset that regression, when it happens, he could really take another step yet. And in the meantime, that sort of uh, balanced approach with those four route runners is is proving pretty much, you know, defenses can't stop it for more than a couple quarters at a time. Yeah, it's a pretty deep, uh, skilled room. And then uh, going back to Renfro, uh, the moment I was sold on him was on that fake punt that the Chargers tried to run. Man, that absolutely demolished that guy. That was that was basically the best football player I've ever seen. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, they, <laughs> Especially because he. He wasn't even supposed to really do that. He just kind of like saw that the guy wasn't covered and then did. Yeah, he sniffed it out and just absolutely lit him up. If, uh, you know, if ESPN was still doing jacked up, you know, that would have been that we were, the segment. If we were talking about how concussions are cool, like in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, those days. Um, he gets a Julia. lot of helmet stickers for that one. Sorry. 100%. Listener Julia wants to know, based on our uh, Edwards discussion right there, Edwards or Hardman this week? Oh boy, that is tough. Um, man, I think I'd go with Hardman, but not not in any, not not because I really feel strongly about it. It's more kind of that that deep ball still hasn't happened with him, and I don't think those Tennessee corners can really run with him. Even even Christian Fulton, their best corner, if he's back, like he can't run with Hardman. So uh, if that game is a shootout at all, I think you have to like Hardman's chances of finally getting that big play. I, yeah, I think so too. I think there, there's just a, a little bit more of a stable, predictable role for Hardman, which it t- seems like a crazy sentence to say, but this year I think it is the case. Whereas Edwards, like you, like you laid out there, uh, you know, he's running 15 yards de- downfield on his targets at, at least. And like you said, when you have Renfro and Waller presenting more viable targets much sooner um, in those progressions, it, it's a little bit tougher to, to justify Edwards. Um, in that one. And, and Hardman does offer that ceiling as well. I think he's burned the Titans for, for long touchdowns in the past, if I remember correctly. Let's get on over. We got, we, we don't have to spend a ton of time on, on this one. We got Texans, Cardinals, Cardinals, 17 point favorites in this one at home. Cardinals, the best team in the NFL. Um, I mean, they're, they're way up there. I think What's really changed with this team is, is just kind of two things. They had Larry Fitzgerald wasting a snap every play almost last year in the slot, taking out him and instead putting in, uh, well, technically putting in A.J. Green, but moving Christian Kirk from A.J. Green's new spot to Fitzgerald's previous spot and, and putting in Rondale Moore as the, the swing backup for all of those guys has made the offense better right off the bat. I guess adding Rodney Hudson and whatever else couldn't have hurt either. Uh, but the defense is one of the best in the league. And I still don't really see them getting credit for it. Like there's some chatter coming up now, uh, but like they didn't even have Chandler Jones last week. And when he's out there, especially it's like him, Marcus golden, uh, Zaya Simmons, Gardeck, JJ Watt. There's a lot to deal with a lot of 
big fast guys who can kind of shuffle all over the place before the snap and line up anywhere after the snap. Maybe you guess right, maybe you don't. But if you guess wrong, some of the it's got to be hard to arrange your protections against that defense, and they're, they're so fast in the front seven, you can just swallow you up. So Vance Joseph, uh, I think, like it's funny that Cliff missed that game last week because Vance Joseph should be considered as much of the head coach of this team as Cliff Kingsbury is. He's as much responsible for their success this year, especially in the sense that the offense is pretty much just the Kyler Murray show. Like mm-hmm. Cliff has a system in place, sure, but. Kyler Murray makes it go and Kyler Murray can make any system go pretty much Vance Joseph making that defense as good as it is, is what's made. It's that's the gap between what the preseason expectations were for the Cardinals and where they've come out to. Yeah. It's, it's been a really uh, fascinating run through the early season for the Cardinals. They're, they're really looking uh, well positioned, you know, the, the Rams game. And then of course, you know, going into Cleveland last week and really taking care of business, uh, impressive stuff from them. Now, I guess last point here, 17 points is a lot of points, Mario, but it was a lot of points uh, for the Bills to cover against the Texans. They didn't really seem to break a sweat doing it. So I think I think I, I lay the wood even even with that, that many points. Sure, I, I can't be against. I don't know. I don't know how to think of three scores, but uh, Cards could do it. Texans could give it up. Yeah, I mean Texans could just score 10 points, and then you know the, I don't think the Cardinals are scoring less. They could than 30. score zero. They very well score zero they've done before and they'll probably do it again uh before we get on to our next game we got our message from our friends over at thrive thrive is back for another season of fantasy football and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week of the nfl season with thrive fantasy you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game sign up today and get a free six-month roto wire subscription here's how you claim your free roto wire subscription first Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Second, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And then number three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six months Rotowire subscription. It's just that easy. Those three steps go out, go on over rotowire.com slash thrive. All right, Mario, as we get to the end here, we got bucks. Bears, Bucks, 12-point favorites in this one against the Bears. This, this is another kind of, kind of tricky one. The Bears have been Jekyll and Hyde a little bit, and I think that the Bucks can take the paint off of pretty much anyone that, that's not a, a very, very good to elite team. So I, I could definitely see that the Bucks winning this one by two touchdowns. Yeah, uh, pretty difficult spot for Justin Fields, even with the Tampa Bay secondary a bit beat up. It's just uh, against a pass rush like they have and going on the road. It's not exactly the same as the Cleveland scenario from a few weeks ago, but it's a similar sort of risk. And uh, probably with even more pressure from the opposing offense, obviously with, with Brady and the, the Buccaneers offense scoring the way it is this year, the bears defense, I think has some good pieces. And when you have Jalen Johnson at corner and if Eddie Jackson can be a good safety, Roquan Smith kind of player, he can be Akeem Hicks and, and Khalil Mack. There is a way they can play good defense against some teams, and it wouldn't be shocking to me if they put together like a surprisingly decent effort against the Buccaneers if they kind of come up with some clever uh, novel designs because the Buccaneers certainly will. They they tend to find uh, play designs that they don't necessarily put on tape often to come through at like critical moments in games. 
And uh, it's, it's tough to beat them on third down uh, pressure situations because of that. But if the Bears are, are kind of if on one of their smarter days, they could slow, I think, Tampa enough to maybe cover. Uh, but basically, you have to you have to give the non Jalen Johnson corners a lot of help and you need the pass rush to close in and you need Roquan to maybe uh, keep those tight ends under control. Uh, but if that all happens, I mean, Roquan and Jalen Johnson are star players, at least, and Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack are the same usually. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a very impressive uh, defense on paper, and it, they can occasionally uh, put it together for sure. So that that is definitely true. And Antonio Brown a little bit dinged up. Maybe uh, maybe the Buccaneers, and they haven't been great against the spread this year, but that's been more so on the road uh, at home. They've been, I think they're like two and one against the spread. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I think at, at this stage, even even with what you're saying there, I probably still lean. Uh, the Bucks, just because my, my faith in the uh, in the Bears' offense is nil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Indy going out to San Francisco to play the 49ers. 49ers, four-point favorites at home. You know, the, the Niners coming off the bye. That, so Trey Lance obviously got his feet wet a couple weeks ago. So that should certainly help things a little bit. Indianapolis showing a little bit of signs of life over, over the last little bit as well in their own right. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? I feel like it's a little bit too much credit to be giving the 49ers. I don't know if the 49ers are very good. Right. Uh, so Garoppolo's out. Is that the deal? I think Sorry, he, I he's getting better, but he very well could be. I, I will have it. Okay. Cause, cause yeah, if he's, if he's, uh, not physically able to play, then Lance starts, but once Lance or once Garoppolo can play, I think Lance is going to the bench, uh, right or wrong. I think that's what'll happen in any case. Um, I don't know what I even think is better for San Francisco. I guess uh, Lance is obviously the better runner, but he is rough as a passer. He does look like a quarterback who was not prepared to start and was thrown in unexpectedly due to due to injury in the middle of the season for a road start against the maybe league's best team. That all looked like what it was. Going back home, getting the time to prepare for the Colts would be a different scenario, especially with the same, uh, especially with the, the Colts looking as busted as they've been at certain points this year and even against the the Texans it's like that was a pretty close game until they started giving Jonathan Taylor the ball in the second half who could have seen that coming but uh I don't know Frank Reich is an arrogant coach who puts bad players on the field instead of good ones Shanahan can do that too but for more neurotic uh reasons like he's 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 got his evil genius explanation whereas Frank Reich is more just kind of he just kind of thinks it's a good idea to put your bad players on the field sometimes uh, to, to mix things up. And it's not, uh, I think the Shanahan also is, is going to probably be a step ahead of Reich in terms of like game planning stuff. Kooky as he might be, he's still good at X's and O's. So I do like the 49ers to win this four points. Like you said, is a lot. It seems to, it seems to assume like a quarterback advantage and like a sizable defense advantage. And maybe one of those is true, but probably not both. I don't know. Probably not both. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that one shakes out there on Sunday night, and and we'll hold off um, on the Monday nighter between the, the Saints and the Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith in prime time once again, baby. What a, what a year we're having. That's going to do it for this edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast. Brought to you by our friends over at WinBet for Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.